0: everyone thank you for joining us once again it's a beautiful monday morning here from beautiful jeffersonville indiana i got a tractor next to me now
1: <laughs> he's out in the country people yeah. noah I'm has really, a tractor fun I'm, fact
0: I'm, I'm, yeah yeah. oh yeah baby that's how i get to work <laughs> Come and take a ride on the big, <laughs> big, big green. Yes, exactly. That's uh, no. Yeah, so I'm glad you guys are here. I appreciate that you're here because boy did this weekend test us all. Did it not? No, <laughs> <laughs> it did. You're coming from to us from lovely Carlisle, Ohio. Um, we are recording this on Easter Sunday. Happy Easter! And uh, how are you feeling coming off of a historic weekend of fights?
1: Yeah, it was historic and all the wrong reasons, it feels like. Uh, so this Sunday just feels like a much needed day to <laughs> a, a detach almost from MMA, even though we're recording this on on Sunday. But, uh, you know, again, I guess you're going to have bad weekends, but to have it doubled down between two different organizations, it felt like it was definitely, Noah said this off recording, one of the worst, most disappointing weekends we've had since this podcast started. Probably the worst, actually. So it was weird, but I'm happy to at least I get to discuss it with my good old co-host over there, Noah. So I'm excited to get rolling with you, man, get into this new week. And uh, hopefully this upcoming weekend we got UFC and Bellator again. Surely, Noah, it won't be like this weekend.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm holding my breath right now. Cause, <laughs> uh, man, it's just like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into it, we won't keep, you know, looking at it big. Teasing. Here, but yeah. yeah, it just... I mean, literally everything. I mean, you got fighters giving shout-outs to mob bosses or crime bosses in their post-fight speeches, all the way to, I went from having what looked like one of the best nights of my betting career turned into the absolute worst night by the end. It, and literally anything that could have went wrong did. But, let's start with the main event of UFC Vegas 51. Shall we? Uh, that saw Bilal Muhammad avenge his last loss in UFC to Vicente Luke. That was on the prelims of UFC 205 mm. in Madison Square Garden on Friday's show, or Thursday's show, excuse me. I said it. I thought yeah. it was on a big card, but I couldn't remember. And, yep, UFC 205, uh, Luke had gotten a first-round knockout, less than uh, a minute and a half into that first yeah. round. Uh, But here, Bilal Muhammad gets the unanimous decision. Dominic, your thoughts on his performance, and and in your mind, based on the performance, based on the win streak, where he is in the rankings, how much closer did he get to a potential title shot?
1: Uh, uh, Unfortunately, I just feel like Bilal will kind of stay where he is. I mean, he'll move up to number five, technically, come Tuesday morning, I should assume, so he'll be top five. The win streak's great. But the performance just – I mean, it was a Bilal Muhammad performance if you've seen him fight before, uh, and he gets a lot of slack for it. But at the end of the day, he does go do what he has to do to get a victory, uh, to get revenge uh, against Vicente Luque. You know, it was a huge win for him, arguably the biggest of his career back-to-back because he just beat Stephen Thompson as well. The Stephen Thompson win said a lot more to me than what this one did personally. I just felt like it was a much more emphatic type of performance. Obviously, this one went all five rounds, so we – he showed he can do that um, and luke did too even though he came out on the losing side of things but it just overall he looked you know a little different moved around the octagon a lot more uh, used a lot more footwork looked competent on the feet you know it wasn't like he was outmatched by luke who you know on paper you would think luke holds a huge advantage on the feet it didn't look like that necessarily in the cage uh, but he went to the bread and butter man the grappling he had a takedown in all 5 rounds um, and he, and again, he did what he had to do. He got the decision victory, he held top control, uh, not too much damage, not too many threats with submissions or KOs, TKOs, but Bilal Muhammad wins. And that's what he's been doing lately, man, is winning. So I guess there's got to be some respect in that somewhere.
0: I'm kind of shocked. I almost think that I'm about to have more compliments for his performance than you did, and this is very shocking. What a...
1: Well, 180.
0: What a dilemma we find ourselves in here. This weekend uh, just screwed everything up. You know, I've been very critical of Bilal Muhammad's fight style, just not really feeling like I could ever walk away all that... A lot of positive takeaways, but they're like... Surface level positive. Like yeah. really, I always feel like with Belau, there's always something missing. He doesn't have that finishing ability, which could be fine. Except it's just it's always been kind of the same old, same old with him. And yeah, he, and he, you know, we we look. We're at the end of the day. There's a reason we watch the sport. We want to be entertained. We want to be excited about who we're watching. Belau doesn't always come through. On that side of things, but here, Dominic, I actually think I have a lot more takeaways from this than the Steven Thompson fight. I thought Bilal looked much improved on the feed. Actually, he was for at least a couple rounds of this fight getting the better of the striking exchanges with Luke. A. Obviously, that didn't hold up for the whole fight. You know, round three, Luke, a yeah, looked like he was potentially about to finish the fight. I mean, Muhammad was getting pieced up big time, but rounds four and five. He comes right back. Um, he was using basically he he. It took Luke a long time to kind of even get comfortable in this fight. Right, Muhammad was on his bike. He was yeah on his, He was bouncing around the cage, moved, never staying stationary, not even once. Um, was picking his shots. Uh, was very very opportunistic with his takedowns and was very effective in securing those takedowns. Look, it's it was it's not a fight that I think a lot of people are gonna like, you know, be clamoring to see more of, you know, come uh, getting Blau his next fight. But it was an impressive victory, you know. Vicente Luque is a guy I've been very high on for a long time. Yeah, but truthfully, and maybe we'll have some discussion about this. Didn't really see a whole lot from Luque here. This was a disappointing performance to say the least from yeah. Vicente Luque. His first main event, technically this is Blau's second. The first one with Leon Edwards, we know kind of happened there. So uh, it was really Blau's first true main event, I guess, in that way. But, um, you know, Luque has a style that we have always felt is like meant to be in a fight. Yes. And here he got it, and he was hesitant. He was low on the volume. Um, his takedown defense wasn't there. Mm. When he started throwing in round three, he looked great.
1: He looked so and, good in round three. Then
0: rounds four and five, it kind of went away yep. again. Yep. And I don't know if he just came in flat. I don't know if it was Blau's style, just kind of keeping him in a, in a pretzel. But yeah. all in all, I'm going to give credit to Blau Muhammad and say, like, with this win, and as much as it surprised me every step of the way on this run he's been on, he's a top five welterweight in the world. As crazy as that is for me to say, yep. But with all the compliments out of the way, I gotta admit, like I don't think this got him all that closer to a title shot. Um, mm. You know, he's in a division ruled by the number one pound for pound fighter in the world right now, Kamara Usman, and. It's kind of, you know, Kamaru is the one that kind of picks and chooses probably a lot of who he wants to fight at this point. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Leon Edwards will be next. Like, I keep saying every episode because it's not official yet. But, um, yeah. Balau's in a weird spot because he called for a fight with Colby Covington.
1: I, I think him. there is a
0: better chance that Blah Muhammad fights CM Punk in his next fight. I saw someone yeah. say that. That might have been you. I saw that. Say that. Me, that yeah, 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 that, that was, was you last night. <laughs> um, I'm just being honest. Like, I appreciate the call out because I get it. Like, you know, a lot you want to get like closer Kobe. to the title. Right. Yeah, you want to get closer to the title. You know, that's a big fight. Like, I respect for you know putting yeah. it out there, but Kobe's not going to take that. Fight. No. Hamza Chimaio is not going to take that fight. No. Nope. Well, the Hamza might, but I don't think the UFC will. They ain't doing that to happen. The fight that would make the most sense is Gilbert Burns.
1: That's that's and, There it is. That's your division you know, layout right there.
0: And, and you have actually a decent little story in there. Because uh, yep. at the Apex last or Saturday, Gilbert Burns was in attendance. Their and training he was partners. shouting, uh, you know, calls to Vicente Luque while the fight was going on. So it yep. was a bit of like uh, Gilbert trying to avenge his yep. his good friend Luque. Um, and you know, Gilbert Bern's stock has never been higher right now, so he kind of gives a chance. It keeps him active because he's yep. in a weird spot, right, coming off that loss at have. And then for Bilal, it kind of raises his stake a little bit. or raise, It potentially could Raise his name value, raise his stake because he's getting a fight with Gilbert Burns, and if he wins, I mean, at that point then you're there staring at a title eliminator or something. Yeah. So that's all that I that's that's how everything kind of works out for me. Dominic, is there any chance the Colby Covington fight happens in your in your mind? No,
1: no. The division is actually following last night as if whether you like the main event or not, the welterweight division is now pretty clear if you ask me because we're gonna again quotes right it's not official kamaru leon in july this definitely lines off hamzat and colby they want to do that so badly the ufc and i think that both those guys would want that fight too and now you have gilbert burns bala muhammad that's your top six fighters in the world right now at 170 pounds there's your layout for going into the middle of 2022 uh, it would sort itself out it would clear it out a little bit um, so I think that's the chance uh, Bilal could maybe get another fight night maybe even against a guy like Gilbert or like a featured bout on a pay-per-view. Uh, and it, it's a good fight. We saw Gilbert just test Hamzat Chimaev. Surely he's going to test Bilal Muhammad considering he likes to grapple mm-hmm. as well. Not the same kind of style as Hamzat, but you get the gist of it. So I think that's the layout of the welterweight division, and that's what the UFC will likely do moving forward, I would assume.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I like I like that we're we're on the same page right now for the most part. Yeah. You know, it started off a little shaky. And you were yeah. you, you were kind of you were kind of ho hum on the on, on Bilal's performance, and I'm over here like reaping his praises. I mean, what's going mm. on here? I know this is <laughs> Now you know you have a hard <laughs> when the second headline for it isn't about any one specific fight. Really, uh, it's it's about to, like.
1: It was historic, though.
0: It was. Yeah, we did get a historic evening. Going in before Saturday night's card, the UFC had had four technical decisions in their history. Mind you, they've been around since 1993. Yeah. There were two on this card. Two! And both were repped by Big Dan (laughs) Murciato. It's crazy. Um, It started with Martin Budai, or Boudet, Boudet, the bidet. Yes. A little water on your asshole. Right. (laughs) Right. I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of his name. i got to stop doing that. But he was dominating Chris Barnett. Yes, Uh, he was. It looked like he was about to get a finish. Uh, Chris Barnett had uh, said to his corner in between rounds that he thought he had broken a rib or two. Oh, Uh, okay. Martin... That was his... I mean, he was doing a great job of, like, clinching up, throwing knees to the body. So we did yeah. the same thing in round three. Barnett kind of collapses. Um, looking like a few more shots and it's over, and we get an illegal uh, elbow to the back of the head. Yep. And then also in our... And in, in basically, Chris Barnett not really able to continue. I mean, probably less... Probably wiped out from the elbow to the back of the head, and more because he's dealing with broken ribs. Yeah. But he was unable to continue, essentially. Right. And the co main event
1: of the. The co main event, people.
0: Two guys making their UFC debuts. This was a great bit of matchmaking, I thought. You know, you got two guys coming off the contender series that looked very strong in their contract earning performances. I know it took Kyo twice in the season to get it, but. Earned it, he did. And he looked fantastic. Another dominant performance here. Kaio Bahayo. I'm going to say like Ohio with a B in front of I think that's how it is. Yeah, He looked phenomenal here. I mean, really, what a a statement performance. I thought he would have the striking advantage, but I thought Omar Godziev would have that wrestling and and, uh, submission advantage, a lot of leg locks. He's a judo black belt, I believe. Yeah. Bahia Not at dominated all. Despite <laughs> everywhere it went. And this fight was fought on the map for a vast majority of it. it. Yeah. And then we get to about a minute left in the fight, and Bahia throws an illegal knee. And it was a,
1: that was a bad, bad one. It was a bad one.
0: And Omar Godzeb unable to continue. So both these fights. Poor Dan Pugliano, I got to admit. I mean, these are tough situations, right? Yeah. You deal with two of them in the same card. He, so the first fight with Martin, Chris Barnett, he deemed the strike to the back of the head to be incidental. Therefore, the fight went to a technical decision.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Martin Boudet wins.
1: Because the they so because it happened so long into the fight that they then will score what has happened thus far.
0: Well, I, I don't even know if it matters the length into the round isn't necessarily what matters because I think as long as the round three started, then it could go to a technical decision. It's yeah, more I... because it's because an illegal strike ended the fight, but it wasn't if he had said if if, if Dan Mergliada had said that that was a, um, what's the word, incidental. What's the opposite of incidental? Uh, like he
1: did it on purpose, basically. Yeah, like if he had deemed... Intentional. You know, like
0: Intentional, thank you. If he, had, if he had said it was an intentional blow to the back of the head, then it would have been a DQ finish fight over. And yeah. Chris Barnett would have got a DQ win. Because he said it was incidental, and we were, I think, into round three... It didn't matter how long into it, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I think the round thing only matters because it can no longer end in a no contest, I think, is where that comes into play, if I'm not mistaken.
0: you're probably right. But I think all that matters is that it starts round three. I know for a five-round fight, it's as long as round four starts, which we'll talk about that later with Bellator, but...
1: Uh, yeah, true.
0: Here, <laughs> uh, we were, I mean, I don't even know, it was like halfway through the round, or there might be yeah. minutes left in the round. Um, so he said, incidental blow, technical decision, goes to Martin Boudet's favor. Could to They first take a, first he takes a point. Yes, from almost
1: immediately high. he did it. Yeah, takes
0: a point, which... In my head, if you're taking a point from someone, that means you believe it to be intentional. Yeah. Or at least fight. I mean, I guess that's not always the case, because. Uh, but there was no previous foul up to this point. Right. Uh, there was no right. warning or anything. Immediate point taken. Yeah. So then, for him, once Omar Gaudiya wasn't able to continue, he goes, "Well, it was an incident, an incidental foul." So we'll just have it go to the technical decision, judges' scorecards, yeah. where they all scored it for Ohio. I think most MMA fans are probably, at the end of the day, going to walk away feeling okay with these results because they feel in their mind the right guy won and the guy who was winning was going to win the fight. Yeah. But, Dominic, in our position, I got to ask you did Dan Mergley ought to make the right calls here?
1: Man, it's so interesting, right? Because we don't see this much. Again, we've had four total leading into this fight. So it's not like we can revisit a bunch of occasions and really break it down and compare. So like, you know, if I just have to answer off the top of my head, what we need is consistency. And even Mm -hmm. these two, yes, they both ended in technical decisions. So they had the same result. They were handled completely differently rather than the same. And I know that they were different penalties, different fouls, but... Again, if it's an illegal strike that's going to immediately affect the fighter and the fight can't continue, I feel like that's the criteria to then treat them the same. And I get it. You probably don't want to disqualify fighters if it is uh, incidental. But here's the thing, and I saw Justin Gaethje. You, I think, texted something similar, but I saw Justin Gaethje go on a big Twitter rant last night. And essentially what he's saying is, so we can win the first two rounds of a fight. And then in the third round, we can just knee a downed opponent on purpose since it'll be ruled incidental, and we'll just get a decision victory anyway. We'll just get out of there. We won't have to you know, risk getting hit in the third round, in the fifth round of a championship fight, whatever the case may be. And that's where he's kind of saying, so if that's the case, penalize them, disqualify them. It's a loss. No win, money, nothing. You're done. You lose the fight. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that when I read that and saw it, and he kind of put this whole thread together that I don't agree, man. Uh, essentially saying I do agree is what I meant I came out weird so I agree I think you know let's get consistency here no matter what the foul is if it's going to affect the fight if it's going to end the fight it's a DQ and at the end of the day you run the fight back when the fighters are healthy you know I think that's kind of the best justification for these types of situations but again it was just so wacky so weird we don't see this much I'm curious to get your thoughts as well
0: um, this was probably Dan Miragliotta's lowest moment as a referee, his lowest night. This was his worst night ever. Yeah, I mean, this is these are two absolute inexcusable, terrible calls. The first one was bad enough, and then he doubled down in the, with the co-main event and made it even worse you know, because of the, the point, point deduction. Then, yeah, yeah, just. You have a replay, but you're not using it. Like, I just, I don't understand, like, especially in that first incident with uh, Barnett and Boudet, you have a replay at your disposal. You can use, yeah. Why don't you go look yeah. see. See if the elbows, because if, if you're saying it's incidental, you're saying that because Barnett moved his head towards
1: I heard like, them say that. Yeah, yeah.
0: move the back of his head towards the elbow. But go look at the replay and see. Yeah, uh, make sure. It's there. It's, it's right there. Just go look at it. We have it for a reason. He didn't do it. So, okay. All right. That, so, all of a sudden, that's an incidental foul. Then you get a literal man hand on the mat.
1: This was clear.
0: Yes. I mean, this is how this is Peter Jan's to Aljamain Sterling. Yes, exactly. Territory here. He throws a vicious knee into Omar Gandsev's noggin, and he's unable to continue. And you you say it was incidental again. Yeah. You know what I think the biggest problem is here, Dominic? The biggest problem is Dan Margulies shouldn't be allowed to make that kind of call if a illegal blow is incidental or not. I saw Daniel Cormier say during the broadcast that he had I believe I forget how he worded. He said there's never been a shot that I threw that wasn't intent
1: to hurt my opponent.
0: Yeah, yeah, like it's always been right. And I agree. Like I think it's so weird that the rules allow. Referees to like determine intent, like yeah, what? It, yeah. it doesn't make sense at all. Like how? Look at both those situations. How could you make that judgment call? Yeah, without I mean, without shadow of a doubt. I mean, you can't. You can't make that call. So for one, it's a shame on the rules that they allow Dan Merliada to be in this position, and two, he didn't do his job correctly here. That's just the. That's just the way it is. Yeah, both the. Really, here's the thing too: is that it shouldn't matter what what's going on in the fight. It shouldn't matter who's dominating who, who's winning the fight. If if Chris Barnett was the one that landed the illegal shot, you take everything about the fight as the same, right? You know, Boudet's been dominating. Him, yeah, but it's Barnett that lands that shot. Does Dan to make the same call? Because I'm not convinced that he does. Because mm-hmm. I think in his mind a lot of it was, oh, this fight is going a certain direction. Yeah. It is pretty clear a certain guy is about to win. We don't want to I I don't want to be the one that makes a call that makes either of these guys lose in Bahio or Boudet.
1: Right. So it goes to the judges to determine it goes to the technical yeah. decision. Because it's like, uh, oh, this fight's
0: a give you know, we know how it's yeah. gonna go. I get it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't have called either of those two guys on the losing end to make a comeback. But you don't know. And that's not a referee's call to make. So this yeah. was a huge blunder on Dan Marvillata. And I hate to be so critical of the guy because he seems like a nice guy. He's well, amazing. he was
1: also in the headbutting fight with Kevin Holland and Kyle Dawkins as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. That was another
0: one I had a lot of yeah. problems with. Yeah, see that's another instance though where he's not using the fucking instant yeah. replay. Damn. Yeah. Come on. Come on, dog. We know you're good. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you see everything. It doesn't mean that you're able to judge everything at the split of a hair. You got to use that replay, dog. Come on. Let's
1: so do we know? Do we know or is there any discussion anywhere why because Peter Jan's gotta be somewhere punching a hole through a wall <laughs> right now after seeing yeah. last night because he landed in a legal knee to a downed opponent yeah. against Algernon Sterling. We all know the gist. They just had yeah. the rematch last week. It, and that's how he lost his title because that was a disqualification. That happened in the fourth round, right? Of the yeah. championship fight.
0: Yeah.
1: Is like so what is the difference? Why did it, Peter Jan get disqualified and he loses? But then we see here with the illegal knee specifically, Caio Barajo, he lands an illegal knee. Goes to a technical decision, he still wants to fight. Was there any it's, discussions anywhere? It's, it's
0: the the argument that... The, uh, I don't know, Was Herb Dean? Herb Dean was the ref. Of, like, I John think
1: Sterling. it was Herb,
0: yes. When Jan threw that knee, Herb determined that that knee was intentionally... Gotcha. ...landed. While and the...
1: he... Okay, so he disqualified Jan himself. there was
0: something... There might be something to... I, if I remember right in the Jan Sterling fight, I believe... Her even said, "Don't need him."
1: He's down, yeah. But I know Pyroans also
0: doesn't speak English, so I mean, it's right. you know, that's not or doesn't speak English very well. I should say, yeah. Um, so I'm not even gonna. But it was intentional versus unintentional. Yes. Okay. That's where it all boils down to, which is why again, I think that shouldn't even be a part of the discussion here. because it, it if the, a like legal you said, knee, it, or if a okay. legal shot ends the fight. The man who threw that illegal shot... DQ. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm sorry. Like, that's just... Because the you works. can't
1: determine intent. You can't read someone's mind. It's, you know what? He did decide he was going to do that on purpose. Or, nah, <laughs> oh that's an accident. Sense. He didn't it mean it to... It doesn't do... make yeah. any sense. Yeah, you can't determine that. That's... Now, I don't know
0: what would be the difference between a DQ and, like, a no contest. I don't know if... Uh, it all gets kind of confused in my head a little bit. Like, the, Yeah. Yeah. Like, because sometimes I've seen where it's a no contest, like uh, the... Balao and well, uh, Edwards. Like, okay. I guess it would be like, for example, in the Bellator coming event, it was a clash of heads, but neither guy was really at fault for it. Right. That's when you get a no contest. If, if, yeah. if something's committed, if a foul's committed, but it's, I guess, mostly probably a clash of heads of some sort uh, which may not be someone's fault. You know, remember when Davison and Benavidez that kind of set clash, up, yes. Uh, heads. Davison's first victory. Uh, but neither guy was really at fault for that clash of heads. It just kind of happened. Yeah. No contest. So like I guess that's kind of the difference, but I don't know. This just it's such a mess these This is again the kind of night where you we love the sport so much and then the, <laughs> The worst parts of it are being exposed all on the same weekend. I mean, it's just really crazy.
1: It's unique. I'll put it that way.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. Bellator 277 happened Friday. Let's start with the main event, Dominic. They ran it back coming off of uh, last July where A.J. McKee rose to the top of the mountain, the Bellator Mountain, the proverbial Bellator Mountaintop. And uh, defeated Patricio Pitbull in round one. He won the, I believe, Featherweight Grand Prix. Yep. He won the Featherweight World title. Yep. Looked like he had become the star that everyone thought he had rose into the phoenix, rose from the ashes, right? They run it back here. The fight went a lot longer. Yeah. All five it, rounds. They... And ultimately, we get a brand new winner. Patricio Pitbull, this time the challenger, is now the new Bellator featherweight champion, refusing to let go of that belt as he got the win over AJ McKee in a very close unanimous decision. I'm curious how you scored the fight and maybe some major takeaways from the performances of both guys here.
1: I think the biggest takeaway is that, what because we discussed kind of on Thursday that passing of the torch like was it in the first fight or was it you know if mckee won the rematch then it's like okay pitbull he had his run now the future's here pitbull said -uh -uh. i'm still here he's still only 34 years old he's like i got the experience he's got all the accolades in bellator and he still put on a great performance did what he had to do to win i scored it for pitbull now, I can't remember. I'd have to probably watch again to determine whether it's like a four-one or a three-two. I think two judges did score score four to one, though.
0: No, it was only one.
1: One four to one, two three to yeah, two. The four
0: to one is pretty. Yeah, you scored at four to one. That was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. So uh, I mean, he had his moments. He had McKee hurt. He utilized grappling when he needed to. And uh, at the end of the day. People were comparing, oh, well, the strike numbers say this, the strike numbers say that. You're a big guy to say, oh, it's not all it comes down to how the striking numbers look. It's a round-by-round fight. I think people still struggle to see that in scoring even to this day. I even saw some people saying, we just need to get rid of the 10-9 scoring system in general. Oh, well, 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 hold on now. What are we doing with that? So, I don't know. At the end of the day, I felt the right guy won. It's one a piece but then you inform me of something else after the fight, so we might not even get the trilogy balance. <laughs> uh,
0: so I thought I scored it for Patricio Pitbull. I scored it three 2 It was a very close fight. My bigger takeaway, I expected Pitbull to come out and make a better showing of himself this time, and he did. He, he fought a smart fight here. But I'm pretty disappointed in AJ McKee. Not, yeah. not because he lost, You know, Patricio Pitbull is still that good. Yes. Not an easy fight. AJ McKee showed no sense of urgency here. And, I mean, let's, maybe I should back up a little bit. AJ McKee basically, maybe, yes, again, in the name of fight promotion or whatever, this week, he welcomed, you know, all of these lofty comparisons. He was welcoming people asking about the UFC. He said, I want to be UFC champion people were kind of comparing, you know, how would A.J. McKee and Patricio Pitbull do against Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway? You know, that, that's that been a discussion topic yep. this week. After this fight, you can't tell me that either of these two guys would be the best nope. Volkanovski or Max Holloway in the UFC. You just can't tell me that. Nope. It, A.J. McKee just... I don't... It, it, there was no sense of urgency. I mean, he... For one, his corner telling him before the fifth round that you're up four. Yeah, yeah. Is, what are we I doing? Mean, come on, guys. I think it was his dad that told him that. If I if I remember, yeah. if I remember who, who was, but I mean that that's just that's a red flag. At the at the at best, you can call it a red flag. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was a tough loss for McKee. Um, I don't know if he was overlooking Pitbull. In a way, a Seems lot of like the talk, it. It, it, when you look back at these comments, it's easy to scrutin- scrutinize him now because he lost the fight. But I don't know how much stock should be put on some of the things he said because, again, it's kind of just promoting a fight. But, I mean, he was saying that, like, you know, he was feeling like he didn't even really need to train for some of these guys and stuff, and he felt like he was just that much better. Yeah. And the performance was a little flat. It really was. And, um, it looks like he's. this was the it for him at, at featherweight. He said afterwards, outside of a huge money fight, was how he worded it, he had no interest in fighting at featherweight anymore. I, yeah. I, I, by the sound of it, he didn't think a trilogy bout with Pitbull would be that kind of fight. So, it, it, it leaves this rivalry that we've gotten in a weird spot because yeah. we looked at it as the passing of the torch, right? That like we felt like Patricio Pitbull, who had been probably the most accomplished fighter in Bellator's history, yep. was passing the baton on to the new guy, the, the guy that was going to take over this, this company and um, be a huge star for them and AJ McKee. But then AJ McKee loses the rematch, and now he's wanting to go up to lightweight, so I guess what was the point of all this almost it feels like it's, it's almost i almost feel like we just kind of like wasted our last the last eight months we Yeah. Just kind of a waste of time almost like it just feels like nothing was really resolved here there's no we're not going to get a trilogy about to really determine maybe who the best is yeah. i'm feeling a little like something's missing here do you do you kind of feel that way or
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. How do you not? Like, what fight is AJ McKee going to go fight at lightweight that's bigger than a trilogy with Patricio? At, or are you going to go fight Pitbull's brother and try and take the lightweight belt? I mean, yeah, that'd be a big fight, but is it really bigger than a trilogy bout? you know, to settle the score against the greatest Bellator fighter we've ever seen? I, I, I don't really know what McKee's expecting. uh, Money fight, quote-unquote, wise. um, And especially now, like, UFC probably ain't even looking at you. So I, I don't know, kind of wow. what is, yeah. yeah. So I don't know really what his plans are. I I'd personally would like to see the rematch. I don't like when it's one apiece. I need something. I need it settled. So we'll see what happens, man. But it like you said, you kind of put it perfectly. I just feel weird, a bit of emptiness, a hole, if you will.
0: Yeah, I don't There's like a hole. There's definitely a hole in, in in this like these two fights, like the way they're kind of ending here. It feels like a lot's unresolved. Yeah, it also feels like our combatants don't really care about resolving any of it. AJ McKee's the one that's saying I want to go to lightweight. He's like I'm done with this division, Um, you know. And I get it; it's a tough cut for him though to get to 145 pounds. So I understand why he wants to do it. Yeah, uh, and I think he'll probably be very lethal at that weight class. And I actually look forward to seeing him up there. I know that he had always intended to go up there, but I didn't necessarily expect him to just kind of, you know, just relieve himself of 145 pounds that quickly. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what's next. You know, it's so, you know, we, I really intended on wanting a third fight here, but it seems like that's not going to happen. So that might help out one of the guys we'll talk about later. But for now, Patricia Pitbull is back in as your champion, and A.J. McKee is likely about to move on to the lightweight division.
1: Yeah, but Bellator's had its fair share of big cards, and they don't always end the best, and it doesn't get any better with this next subject either.
0: Well, I'm curious, Dominic, because you said you don't even think the UFC would look at uh, A.J. McKee. I still think A.J. McKee would stack up to be like a top five, top six guy in the UFC. It's just... Champion versus champion, I thought was, I mean, you know how highly I think of Alexander Volkanovsky. I just thought that yeah. after that fight, that didn't tell me that that he's in that league. But you're almost talking like you don't think AJ McKee is a top 10, top 15.
1: I mean, I look anyway. at Volkanovsky. I look at Holloway. I look at Rodriguez. I look at Ortega. I'm even looking at guys like Calvin Cater right now after his last performance. So I'm like... AJ McKee's good, don't get me wrong. He's an amazing talent. He was 18-0. and 0. I don't care what organization you're in. If you're undefeated, you're doing something right. But after a performance like that, I don't know. I just think maybe – I think it needs to be viewed from him as a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will be treated as such.
0: Okay. All right. All right. I'll I see you, Dom. I'll see you. All right. Let's talk about the co-main event for this game. Yeah, it doesn't
1: get better. <laughs> no. <laughs> It this gets worse. The finals, <laughs>
0: the finals of our mm. light heavyweight Grand Prix. We had so much promise, Dom. Remember what I remember this time last year when it was announced and yeah. we saw Yuel Romero and Anthony oh. Johnson. And, oh. You know, you had guys like Ryan Bader on there, Vadim Nemcom, Yoda Machida, yeah. um, all these guys, Corey Anderson obviously. Yeah. On there. This might be one of the more disappointing Grand Prixs in a while. And, and, and as much as I love when people try to do tournaments, they always fucking fail. Well, the, you're,
1: fail. look at the Bantamweight one that hasn't even started yet that Bellator has. It's already in no, We haven't got a fight.
0: No. We haven't even got one fight for that. Nobody, we've had like six different yeah. swaps yeah. in the lineup. It's it's uh, Unbelievable. There's a reason the UFC stopped doing tournaments. <laughs> yes, apparently. Because you never end up getting the fight you want. The sport is too volatile. The fighters, there's too many injuries that come up. It never works out. And here we are again. This time we get a finals matchup that looked, in my opinion, I think I thought higher of this matchup than you did. I thought this was to determine who the number one lightweight yeah. in the world is. But even Emcov versus Corey Anderson... And it is in a no contest. So, yeah. Uh, literally, the, the, the people from Bellator they were bringing out that big check, that had Corey Anderson's name written on it. And then once they, they posted it about it and contest, everything. Yeah. Once they figured out it was a no contest, they had to run it back to, to the back. This is a very Bellator moment. It's a very Bellator.
1: Yes, moment. I saw that a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, well, for the fight itself, it ended at the very end. There was like six seconds left in round three. But even Nemkov looked good in round one. I I thought he won that round. I thought he looked good. But then Corey Anderson looked phenomenal in rounds yeah. two and three. Yeah. Looked like he was about to make Nemkov quit if I'm if I'm yeah. to be so be so forward about how he looked. And then he's trying to kind of move for a position or looking to land a, an elbow or something. And the clash of heads occurs. Nasty cut on the end yeah. of the Nemkov. Fight over. Corey Anderson's the one that brought attention to the cut. Right? Yeah, true. So, you know, good guy Corey here kind of getting screwed. Nice, <laughs> yeah. guys, nice guys always finish last Right, or second. Um, <laughs> so you end up getting a... If this fight had gone into round four Dominic if this had happened in the first minute of round four we're looking at a new champion and a new uh, winner of our late heavyweight grand prix Corey Anderson so yeah, that's how that's how c- close we were to that so um, just your thoughts on this whole debacle and what's next for these two
1: it's unfortunate right I think that's the word that just should be the banner for this whole weekend of, of events, but in this fight especially, it stings for Corey, man, because he had that, that you know, run in the mill in the UFC with all the top contenders, won big fights but lost big fights, and then he came to Bellator, looked great, started 3-0, and finished all three of his opponents. He was here against Vadim Nemkov, who I was talking about on Thursday, could be the best light heavyweight in the world. I was kind of looking at him rather than Corey, uh, and then Corey completely flipped the script. Yes, Vadim looked good in round one, but Man, Corey stuck to the game plan, and it began to work, and he looked so good. Rounds two and three dominated, truthfully, both rounds. Um, like you said, looking like it was he was going to force Nemkov to quit almost. He was just with his pressure and pacing. So for that to happen, it's very unfortunate to not see Corey reach the mountaintop that it looked like he was fingertips away uh, from grabbing hold of that belt in that $1 million check. No, I can't help but think that. If they do run this back, million dollars, no longer up for grabs. What do you think? I saw a lot of people saying if they run it back, it's going to suck for both these guys because the Grand Prix, it will no longer be kind of that prize there. And I would hope that Bellator would oh, keep really? that on the line. Uh, I would hope that they do because there was no winner here. Uh, but if they didn't, I would just feel so wrong and so bad for both guys, no matter who. Yeah, or.
0: if I'm not mistaken – And I could be wrong because I don't know if this has ever happened (laughs) when you have a no contest final. Um, That just means that since neither person was awarded the grand prix winner, it's going to be run back and it'll have the same stakes. Okay,
1: I hope so. But
0: it just is frustrating that like you had it set up here, we had this huge card set up, and then you get this limp dick ending. And it's nobody's fault. I mean, again, it was incidental. This was incidental yeah but man my big takeaway here if I want to rummage through all the negatives that I can focus on and how this is such a Bellator thing to happen even though they're not even at fault here I stand by it now I'm going to double down Corey Anderson's the best light heavyweight in the world and I think he Ooh. was on his way to showing that after after this night yeah. I know he's had his losses in the UFC but um you know, light heavyweight is a division that's up for grabs in terms of uh guys vying for that pound for pound tops or yeah division top spot. Yablahovich had a great claim to it. He had knocked out Corey Anderson, he had beaten all these guys. And then yep. he loses to Clover Teixeira. Clover Teixeira, Corey Anderson, you know. Take your pick, I guess. Yuri Prohaska, I'm sure we'll hear hopefully here soon if, if that fight does come to fruition. Maybe Yuri gets a win there, and all of a sudden we're looking at him like the the next guy. But right now, as it stands, based on the resume and how they're fighting at this moment, Corey Anderson's the number one pound for pound, in my opinion. And I, I respect delayed, that. It's delaying the inevitable right now. Mm this fight will be run back. We'll see if Nemkov can uh, can show us more in a second fight. You know, now he's got he's got to look at this as a bit of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, he's got more time to prepare, get his takedown defense in order, and and hopefully make a better showing of himself. Yep, it's a tough, it's a gutting day for Corey Anderson. That's, that's very I mean, that just hurts, but. Um, We'll get the fight run back, hopefully here, not before too long, and hopefully the Bantamweight Grand Prix can. <laughs> uh, you know what? It we'll starts just... this coming
1: weekend, so we'll yeah. see.
0: We'll see. Uh, we got more from these two cards later, but we're going to talk about some fight announcements, Dominic, it starts with Bellator. The, the bad news does not stop. <laughs> Douglas Lima versus Jason Jackson is off. Bellator 281 on May 13th. They are planning I believe to just move this fight so I, I don't think you're going to see any replacements. I don't know who's pulling out here. Yeah. But considering I guess for Jason Jackson this is a tough pill to swallow because I, I don't know if he's the one that's hurt that's having to pull out but you know Jason Jackson I felt like this was his moment With he's on the card with the I know Amasov has not in the title picture for now because he's, you know, he is literally on the front lines of the Ukrainian-Russia yeah. uh, uh, issues, but you had this fight, Lima versus Jackson, underneath of a interim title fight, I believe, is what it is now, between MVP and Logan Storling?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: So... This was Jason Jackson's moment if he were to show to show that he is next in line, right? Um Douglas Lima, a very well accomplished fighter, and Bellator, a really good fighter for a long time, but a guy who's looked vulnerable as of late. Yeah. The fight doesn't happen. It's a tough one, right? Yeah.
1: It is for sure. And hopefully it's no serious injury on either side. Hopefully they keep it together. Obviously, like you said, that's kind of the plan. Uh and it, like you said, this is Jason Jackson's opportunity to really shine make a name for himself prove that he is you know title shot worthy should he beat a guy like
0: douglas lee well said june 4th we got our main event announced for ufc fight night two top 10 heavyweights going toe-to-toe alexander volkov and jarzino rosenstreich your thoughts on this heavyweight main event
1: Well, for uh, Rosenstreich, he gets a a bigger opportunity. You know, he was scheduled to fight Marcin Tybura on the early prelims of UFC 273. I'm like, what the hell? But now he's going to, uh, uh, you know, a fight night main event against a guy in Volkov. A fresh matchup, which is kind of hard to come by these days in heavyweight. I mean, I guess there's some fresher blood now. But, uh, you know, I'll I'll be excited for this one. I don't know how it's going to go. Hopefully it's not some drag-out, boring fight. Uh, Volkov's usually relatively active. Uh, But for Rosenstreich, we've seen kind of both spectrums of him. When he went out against Sakai, he looked great and got the fight done early in the first. We've seen him also go the distance and not do much of anything. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I'd say for Volkov, it's a big chance for him to kind of, you know, hold his ground, especially after getting, you know, worked essentially by Aspinall. And Rosenstreich's had his ups and downs. Can he kind of put it together before it's too late? You don't like of, this main did event, you, did I you know. Even,
0: did you even really buy it as you were saying those words there at the end? I feel like you didn't even believe it yourself. I do. Well, here's the thing. This is such a mid-main event. I mean, don't get me wrong. You guys know. I'm going to watch it. I'm going be, to be here talking about it, previewing it if it happens. Why is this the main event of the card? This does not make sense to be the main event. Alexander Volkov and Jair Senior we do not need to see them go five rounds. We don't. There's no reason for it. Both guys have been in main events before. They've came up short, or, I mean, I can't even think of, have they, I don't even know if they've ever won a main event spot.
1: Rosenstreich meets Sakai. Oh, Rosenstreich.
0: Yep, there you go. And that was eight. good on him, but... Yeah. Why is this not a three round co main event? Get a fight that needs to be a main event, a fight that needs to show us how someone looks under the five rounds, under yeah. the bright lights. These two have been there, done that. I, I like both fighters. I like that it's a fresh matchup, but I'm just critical of this being a main event. This is such a non exciting main event. Can you disagree? That's the biggest that? thing
1: for. Yeah, I. So the biggest thing for you is not in the matchup itself; it's the main no, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So slot. The
0: matchup's fine. I mean, it's yeah. great. Like, I don't even know if you have to sell it the way you were. Like, I yes, Volkov's coming off a loss. Rosenstreich is he coming off the loss to Curtis Blades? Uh, yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, yes.
0: Well, I, we don't know for sure. So I, <laughs> I, I think so, but I don't know. Um, it really doesn't matter. I mean, both guys. You're right have had their highs and lows in this division all the more of a reason not to give them a main event spot because, yeah. you know, neither of these guys, this, this, this main event, there's like really not that much at stake. That's why when I was saying like, you don't even believe what you're saying do you it's because you, it's like trying to find something that's not there. Like really sure. If Volkov wins, he's bounced back from the loss to Aspinall, but what's it really do for
1: him? Right.
0: If Rosenstreich wins, it puts him at number seven. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's just, there's nothing on the line here really outside of like a ranking spot, which yeah. in this heavyweight division, a guy like Rosenstroik, who's been so active, it seems like, over the last couple of years. He's
1: fought so much. Yeah. yeah. He's like a newer guy
0: into the top 10 out of yeah. all of them there, but he's fought like everybody. So yeah. if he, let's say he gets knocked out by Volkov in the first round. Well, he might get matched up against Chris Dahlkis next and knock him out. And all of a sudden he's fighting. After that, he's fighting Stipe Mircic or something. I mean, it's just like it doesn't – with heavyweight, these guys just kind of – the losses almost matter less because, you know, it's such a volatile division. Yeah. It's coming so much more frequently. I just don't care about this main event. But obviously, like, they're talented guys. They're guys who, you know, Volkov, former Bellator heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, June 4th, it should be fought on the feet for almost all of it, so that could be interesting, but, yeah, I just don't care. Yeah. And you are pretending like you care, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, following that, June 25th, three Is this theater. a main event? No, I don't think okay. so. Okay. Okay. Now, dare I say... This oh, I was going to say it. More, I yeah. would say this is a fight that I'd be more on board with being a main event. Neil, 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 Neil Magny, coming off of his tying... He tied GSP's record, right? Or did he surpass it? I
1: think it? he tied GSP, yep. Tied GSP. This will
0: be the fight for him to surpass GSP on all-time welterweight UFC wins. <laughs> but it's going to come... It ain't going to come easy because he's going up against... The biggest prospect at this point in the welterweight division and Shavkat Raknano. You know, Maggie called for a fight with Hamza Shamaya. The UFC said, Well, we can't necessarily give you him, but we'll give you the next best thing. Yeah, so exactly. Your thoughts on this fight? I mean, I don't think it'll be a main event. I just don't think they value it uh, that quite that much. And I get it. Like, Shavkat's definitely not got the name or the, the recognition that Hamza would have. Oh, and he should, fight. though. Mm. But he should. But um, I would love for this to be a main event. I wish this was the main event over Volkov, Rosenstrake on that card. But I digress, Dominic, your thoughts on this fight.
1: This is a great fight. It's the biggest test for Shavka to really come in against You're not going to find a more seasoned guy at 170 than Neil Magny, literally, with the numbers that he's put up. I saw the Pawn Stars meme rolling around MMA Twitter where it was like, (laughs) um, you know, Neil Magny calling for Hamzat the ball guy I forget his name I think rick's his name on pond stars okay. best i can give you is a uh, shot got rockman so dude respect to neil Magney because he doesn't ha- he's fighting max griffin he didn't need to do that and max griffin wasn't even ranked he could have came mm-hmm. in and shot neil Magney out of the rankings for all we know should- had he won that fight great fight too by the way we got to see it mm-hmm. and then he's fighting here Rockmanov, a guy that's another up-and-comer yeah he's a stud he's great but neil Magney doesn't need to do this for him. He's doing Rockmanov a service potentially, should he come in and win by launching him into the top 10. So I'll always respect Neil Magny. He's truly the guy that will fight anyone, anywhere. I mean, this is a relatively quick turnaround. He just fought March 26th in a three-round war, and he's going less than three months later in June against <laughs> one of the most deadly prospects in the entire UFC. I'm excited for this one, man.
0: Yeah, I, I'm stoked for this fight, and it's not, you know, it's not just because I think you know it's an opportunity for Rockmanov to get into the top 10. Sure, I do kind of favor him here, but let's be clear. I mean, there's a lot we still don't know about Shavka. We have yes. to see him taken into really a deep water. And Neil Magny is a guy to bring that out of you. We said that about Hamza. You know, we, yeah, it got to a point where we were like, okay, Neil Magny is probably just going to get smashed. But... Um, truthfully, here with Rockmanov, we're in a spot where we don't know a ton about this guy. He hasn't... He, he is coming off a very highlight real fashion finish of Carlston Harris. That was a great yeah. uh, performance for him, but it was in the first round. You know, it, can, can we see how things go if he gets dragged into round two or round three, you know, going yep. against Neil Magny, who is the kind of guy to bring out the worst of his opponents sometimes. So, um, it's a very interesting fight. I look forward to it. I would love if it was a five-round main event, but it most certainly will not be. Yeah, I agree. Now we got some for the rest. Going back to the cards from the weekend, we'll start with Bellator this time. Aaron Pico getting a round three TKO of Adley Edwards, who was a late replacement here. Um, Aaron Pico did what what we wanted him to do. He came in, he dominated, he got the finish. And now, Dominic, I think the question becomes Did he just potentially secure number one contender spot with the departure of AJ McKee?
1: That's true. I forgot about that part where McKee <laughs> said he's leaving Featherweight
0: because on Thursday I was like, uh, you know, short
1: notice guy, not ranked or anything. One more after this because it was, just, he was a minus 900 favorite, Pico was. It's like yeah. he, he's going to go out and win. To be fair, Edwards, so tough, man. He took yeah. punishment yeah, for yeah. like no other in that fight. Uh, So, good on him. It's a tough loss, but he earned a lot of respect, I'm I'm sure, from the Bellator brass as well. Uh, But, yeah, man, Aaron Pico, he's coming into his all, man. That's six in a row now, I think. Nearly all. I think all of them have been via finish. Every single one of his professional wins have. So, it very well could have been a title. Had he done that to a ranked guy, guarantee 100% I'd throw you into a title fight. But even against a debuting guy on short notice, he looks so good. And with McKee leaving... I could potentially still see a world where Bellator like, you know what? Uh, Pitbull had his run in the mill with the new guy in McKee. Now let's give him the even newer guy in Aaron Pico. I could see it. I think
0: they'll give him one more fight. Before. Yeah. I, I wanted to. I really, I thought I might come in here and say, no, I'm just give him the shot. But Aaron Pico is a guy who, despite how young he is, he's very well experienced in Bellator. He's been on yep. a lot of high profile cards. We've seen him falter a few times. I mean, at one point in time he was, I think, 4-3 and in his career. I mean, things were looking a little bleak for what was at one time looked as maybe the best prospect in all of MMA. He's gotten back on track. I think he's won what, six in a row? Yep. Yeah. Um, He's fighting at the best, highest level we've seen him fight at, but this is not the opponent to get you a title fight, in my opinion. Now, I know that he was originally scheduled to fight, um, was it Jeremy Kennedy, or is that who he already fought? I, I think know. that sounds um, right. I can't remember if that's who he fought last or if that's who he was Oh, true. There. Yeah, I don't know. But um, he was supposed to fight, obviously, an obvious ranked opponent, a tougher matchup. Uh, his opponent had to pull out with an injury, so in stepped you know, he, he stayed on the card. He took this fight with yeah. Anthony Edwards, which... You know, Edwards had everything to prove here, looking to really show that he's not just some late replacement, some uh, stepping stone. But yeah, um, Pico looked great. I just think you probably do one more against a top guy, and then yeah. we, we're talking pit bull.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it.
0: I want to get your thoughts on this fight from really early in the night. Woo! Rogelio Luna and Socrates Hernandez. And one of the best fights i would seen all year, uh, it ends up with third-round TKO with 12 seconds left for Luna. Your thoughts on this fight?
1: It was awesome. It was awesome. It it gave me Griffin Bonner vibes. I even saw Nolan King tweet about it. He's yeah, like, for those yeah. that don't know, Griffin and Bonner uh, is fighting the, the Bellator version of it on the prelims. That That's a bit far-fetched because that fight was a little bit closer. But this was still a phenomenal fight. What well, was weird is that this was Luna's professional debut. Never had a pro fight before. Socrates, it was only his second professional fight. So, you know, a bit a bit weird that Bellator's doing that. I mean, they've done it in the past, obviously, but none, I feel like, have been kind of on the uh, magnitude, just because it was on such a big card, you know, prelim-wise. Uh, and what a fight, man. Both guys so tough, especially Hernandez was taking a beating, but still threatened with takedowns and submissions. Uh, it, it's in the fight of the year discussion for sure. Bellator's had three, for, for me personally, fight of the year so far throughout the half first half of April. So uh, it was just a great fight. Two guys that are t- new newer to the game, but they're kind of shining under the bright lights when no one else was really watching.
0: So, I don't know if it'll end up being in the fight of the year discussion because there's a part of me that feels like we tend to leave fight of the year for like high profile matchups. Like a fight like this maybe doesn't have enough oomph behind it, but I definitely think it's a shoe in for most surprising fight of the year. I mean, who yeah. thought this was going to be anything? Yeah. Um, we got an absolute banger of a fight. Uh, Rogelio Luna and Socrates Jorminas, they both come out looking like studs. Dominic, they both they did all of this for one thousand dollars each. I mean, that's just crazy. And it, yeah. you know, I'm not even gonna, I'm not trying to make a statement on fighter pay here, but it's it just felt like when I heard that, like it felt like uh, like poetic, almost like these two, like it's, the money is not even what's really.
1: It's just the love of the game, man.
0: Yeah, like that. It's just the two guys that just love what they do. And yeah, I respect it. Respect it a lot.
1: Mm, mm. What a fight.
0: Back to the UFC we go. Andre Fialo. The he, the,
1: he, the bet ruined, slip buster.
0: <laughs> ruined a lot of people's bet slips on this night. He gets the TKO over Miguel Baeza in round number one. Dominic, we knew this was a possibility because Miguel Baeza yeah. Yeah. was on a 2 fight kid. He got finished in his last fight against Chaos Williams. Chaos Williams hits like a truck, by the way. Yes. But he's going up against Diallo who showed a lot of durability against... Um, I always forget... Uh, it was Michelle Pera. Yeah. Um, and we knew that he would have a power advantage, perhaps. Um, early, Miguel Baeza looked probably better than we've ever seen him. The striking yeah. was phenomenal. But again, it seems like what really happened here was both guys' striking was good. And I would say Baeza's striking looked even better. I mean, Christopher, Landing combinations. Yeah. Fialo had more power. He made his shots count more. That's all that yep. it comes down to. Because he was able to get that uh that head around the back or hand around the back of the head of uh kind of clinch up with Baeza, landed two vicious uppercuts, and it was basically over. Nasty. He finished him off uh, against the fence. <laughs> it's a big first win for Fialo. You know both performances so far have been great. I don't yes. remember if he got a fight of the night bonus for his fight with Pajara, but he he a lot of people, a lot of eyes were kind of drawn to him by you know what he was able to yeah. get such short notice in that fight. Yeah. Here he gets a performance of the night bonus. Off to a great start, even though he's one and one. But I, we got to talk about Miguel Baeza, who we both have been very high on for a long time. Yeah. He has now lost three in a row, two of them via finish. This was a fight where he apparently came and made a lot of changes in the lead up. They were saying on the broadcast he changed up his social circle and like mm-hmm. everything. If you're Miguel Baeza, is is where where are you at right now?
1: I mean, oh man, uh, he's probably at this instance where he's kind of reevaluating everything again. Potentially, you know, even though he may have just done that leading into this one. I'm not one to write him off and just say, it. you know, he's done in the UFC. Yes, it's three losses in a row. It's still against good competition at the end of the day. This is a guy that surged very quickly, very young age. He was on contender series, won three straight via finish in his UFC career, uh, but has faltered. And we've seen young guys falter before. I will say he could potentially be on the chopping block come the next fight because then you're staring down the barrel potentially four in a row. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be another step back in competition even though this essentially was from chaos williams i would say i'd say even more of a step back into the next fight Uh, but i still believe in miguel baeza maybe not as high as i once did because we you know losing three in a row you're going to see weaknesses that may not be fixed um and you can't help a chin if he gets hit in the right spot and if a guy goes down a guy goes down so i'm very much just cautiously optimistic i know you like like that uh phrase and i'm going to use it and steal it from you here uh, on what could come next for baez i hope it's not the end of the line yet i'm not ready to give up hope
0: i'm cautiously pessimistic right now ah. and, here's, and here's why i'm i'm worried that a style just his chin can't hold up to his style right. of fight you see these fights don where like all time fights are just fight of the nights and you know, both guys come out looking like Kings, but sometimes they just don't recover. Yeah. You saw like a great example. And this is a more high profile example. Look at Robbie Lawler's title, right? When he fought Rory McDonald, one of the best fights of all time, right? was Rory McDonald really ever the same after that. Right. Yeah, this was a guy who was looked at as the next GSP Sure, he had some moments. I believe he he's won a title for Bellator, but was he ever really that good again?
1: Right, right.
0: Look at when Carlos Condit and Robbie Lawler fought. Neither of those guys were the same after that. Those yep. guys took themselves to the brink. Carlos Condit, I believe it took him a few years to win a fight again. Yep. Robbie Lawler lost his next title defense in the first round to Tyron Woodley he was never in the title picture or even close to it after that. Yeah. I almost wonder if Miguel Baez's fight with Santiago Ponzinibbio might have been What a fight. Part yeah. Part of that.
1: That one. Yeah.
0: Because that fight, well, yes, it's not the fight the, the two I just named. But it, that doesn't have to be. It was a fight of the night. It was a war. One of the best yeah. fights of the year. Miguel Baez, it might have been just a bit too much to where he just hasn't been able to recover. and that. Change. Yeah. But his style, as efficient as he is on the feet, you know, he, he will eat a shot. to give Yep. One. But it's unfortunately, he's not able to eat the shots in order to give enough to win. Right. That's what you saw here. He was in landing some great shots on Fialo, but Fialo is so durable. If he went up against a guy with the worst chin, he probably gets him out of there. But that's yeah. not the fight he got. And yep. It has me cautiously pessimistic because of that. I still think Baeza has uh, so much talent, and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders to understand that he, you know, what he needs to change things in his life, and he seems very determined to make this thing work. Yeah. Um, so I, I I believe in him to make the appropriate changes. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to withstand the punishment. That's, yep. that's really what it's going to come down to. So time will tell. Yep. Yep. Next up, Pat Sabatini remained undefeated in the UFC, getting a unanimous decision win over TJ Laramie, who is now 0-2 in the UFC. But I don't think that necessarily is a representative of his no. talent level. Round one. <laughs> Things were looking very dicey for uh, Sabatini I would say Because TJ Laramie kind of Took it to him a little bit
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the striking
0: looked good from Laramie He was even Getting the better of some grappling exchanges Who would have saw that coming But then kind of the inevitable Kicked in uh, Pat Sabatini Smothers people yeah. And Laramie was no different here. rounds 2 and 3 were very dominant I believe I had t- uh, round two of 10-8 for yes. Pat Sabatini.
1: It was like 50-1 to one strikes landed in that round. Yeah,
0: I mean, round three was I mean just as dominant too. So uh, for Pat Sabatini, this was a big win over a guy who I think is UFC caliber. But is this the win that gets him in the top 15, Dom? Talking next fight, fighting top 15 is what I mean.
1: I I think he should, I because at the end, I think he's won six or seven in a row. If you look outside when he came into the UFC, mm-hmm. he's 4-0 in the UFC. And in the UFC, I mean, he smothers, he dominates people. Yes, he struggled in that first round, but once he landed that deep kick to the body toward the end of the first, that changed the whole outcome of the rest of the fight. And from then on, it was all pat. The end of round one, all the way through to the end, a 10-8 round in the middle there. So... I would like to see him get tested against the top 15 because I think this guy, obviously the grappling's there. He's kind of that next level down there on the ground. His transitioning, his top control, uh, everything that he does is so good down there on the canvas. Now let's really up the competition level. I think top 15 is what he is deserving of next, to be
0: truthful. I'm sorry if anybody heard my ice uh, maker, just is very loud. But, um, yeah, completely agree, I think. I thought Sabatini was ready for top 15 before this fight. Yeah. Hard to say it's changed following it. I want to see him get tougher tests. And uh, TJ Laramie, it's a tough start, O-2. still think the guy's got a lot of talent, though.
1: Yeah, I agree. Tough competition, too. Yeah, you're giving
0: him tough competition to start out. Maybe let him fight someone kind of entering the UFC. Yeah. See how he does there. Next up. Women's action, the Battle of Sweden. Panny Kronzad gets the unanimous decision win over Lena Landsberg. Actually, this was a rematch, Dominic. I didn't Yeah, this, 10 years Panty ago, they had knocked out uh, Lena Landsberg 10 years ago. Hmm. So, uh, and I believe there was a 10 year age difference. So, you know, at that time, Lena Landsberg 30 in her prime, Panny 20 years old. or that. Now, here they are, Lena Landsberg at the tail end of her career of 40, Panny hitting her prime. Yeah, Your thoughts on this fight? It was kind of a
1: bloody war for. Yeah, man, bloody battle, fun little scrap. Uh, Penaquianzad, she's good, man. She she's good. Uh, I don't know if like we're talking title holder good, but again, I've I feel like I've said this a lot on the betting show and on Thursday's show. There's not a lot of fresh life at 135 pounds in the women's division. She is one of the the only bright spots in terms of. Just someone new, fresh, entering into this top 10 now. So I hope she gets a relatively big fight in terms of like numbered ranking next. I know she had that against Raquel Pennington, and she lost. But you look at Rocky right now, and she's really having this career resurgence. So all of a sudden, that loss doesn't look as bad as probably. Because when it happened, you're like, "Eh, Pennington's kind of already been at the top, and she's kind of faltering back. So it was a tough loss. It doesn't, that loss doesn't, I don't view it the same way anymore. So, yeah, Kianza, yeah. she's won five out of her last six against good competition. I'm excited to see her get someone, you know, maybe number seven, number six, number five uh, in her next fight. Let's push her up there a little bit.
0: Yeah, because this was, she was in a new weight class for this one, right?
1: This was weight Yeah, wasn't she,
0: she was the one that lost to uh, Manu Firo in the last fight, right? Or no, that was, was myra
1: Bueno Silva, yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm getting the women's fight. But
1: she did move up to bantamweight, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. This was a good performance from Kianzad. Uh, gutsy performance. Landsberg showing a lot of heart here, a lot of determination. Considering she got knocked out by this girl ten years ago when she was much more in her prime. Here at 40 years old, hung hung in there. And weirdly enough, though, Dominic, speaking of that other women's fight, the fight of the night was given to Myra Buena Silva and Wu Yanan I don't see how that is at all. I thought that fight kind of sucked.
1: I would have given it to this fight, to be truthful, honestly. Like, if you're
0: going to give it to a women's fight, this was a much better fight,
1: I thought. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Mean, Buena,
0: and like There's a weird thing, which we can maybe talk about this now. I didn't put that fight on here, but I saw some people online acting like uh, Wu Yanan got robbed in that, in that Scorecard, and I—I didn't even score a round for her. I had my raina 30
1: thirty twenty seven. That, at the very least, a twenty nine twenty eight. But I think I even scored it thirty twenty seven I mean, for my right
0: Throwing an air, from like for yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a fight.
1: terrible fight, but it wasn't what this fight was. I thought yeah, Silva I just, won that fight. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, I don't know. It was a weird one. I just
1: saw a lot of chatter online. Even for Silva, though, that you brought it up—that was her debut at one thirty five. I, she doesn't look like a 135 build. I don't know. I, I'll be curious to see I'll if she keeps see, that long-term.
0: We'll see how she looks if she fights someone in yeah. a tougher competition.
1: Because Wu Yan'an's only been at Bantamweight for two fights. So both of them have, uh, are newer. Wu U-Yan,
0: Yan'an's not like
1: right. you know, right.
0: tender, at least not yet. So
1: Yeah, I don't think that was uh, a robbery uh, though at all.
0: Drop <laughs> nah. our clothes. Got a TKO over Brandon Jenkins in round two, 33 seconds in. He was the biggest favorite on the card. You look like it. showed why. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that
1: that awkward pause there. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, This was his first finish in the UFC, by the way. So I know it was against a short-notice guy, a no-name guy, if you will, coming in, and Brandon Jenkins making his –
0: was it his debut for Brandon Jenkins? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so – A lot of people were saying – and it's kind of watched his work outside the UFC, that this guy was at UFC caliber. And, uh, shit, was that this fight? I will say Brandon Jenkins, he, this was weird, man. I mean, he was eating vicious punches. Oh yeah. Was oh, yeah. Smiling and winking at the referee, like being like, oh, I'm good. It was like, dude, you are not good. You yeah. are getting pummeled here. Um, weird fight, but also a fantastic performance from Dracar Close.
1: Yeah, it's weird, dude. Like, he's six and two in the UFC, could be seven and one. He was beating Benil Daryush until the Hail Mary yeah, finish that true. has that all time moment on the commentary booth. So, like, I know this isn't like the highest level competition, but Drakar Close is like legitimate good talent for this division yeah. here. So,
0: I agree. And, you know, I feel bad for him because I didn't realize, like, we knew he got injured from that shove from Jeremy Stevens back in the day. Yeah. We were supposed to fight. I had not realized that like that's kept him out for like a year. Yeah, he's still fought, dealing with think, it. Two years. Yeah. I think the Benil fight was his last fight before this one with Brandon Jenkins. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. Well, I th- I guess that would line up um, around that time. And apparently that shove from Jeremy Stevens like really fucked him up for a while. And Yeah. You know, I, I like Jeremy Stevens, but man, that's just so uncalled for. It just
1: Oh yeah, man. You don't want to see that. Yeah,
0: well, that's gonna wrap it up for our recap of the action from the weekend, Dominic. Now, of course, I kind of forgot to do our intro in our.
1: Oh um, yeah, we did
0: in our intro. So I'm gonna remind everyone that that uh, they can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at nt baker underscore. Uh, there's a link in the bio. You can look at the link tree. Uh, sp- shout out to today's sponsor, Anchor. They got links on there, uh, Dominic. You want to plug your socials real
1: quick? Yeah, find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at DCLE14. And uh, if you look above me on YouTube, if you're listening on audio, follow the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast.
0: And we're going to move into a new segment on the show, a way to kind of normally, now that we're doing our used-to-be outros, our intro, I wanted a better way to kind of wrap up the show. So we're going to do closing statements. Ah. This is something it could be MMA related. It cannot be. Just whatever we want to get off our chest, we can just talk about it. If there's anything going on in the world that we feel passionate or strongly about and want to talk about it, it, kind of allows us to you know, reach outside the MMA world a little bit. We can do it. So, Dominic, your closing statement for today.
1: Uh, well, first and foremost... Happy to be here with you, Noah, as always in the studio. Love nothing more than sitting down two or three times a week and talking the sport we love. Uh, I'm just hoping we have a better week next week in terms of a fan perspective with the fights. Two Bellator events, a UFC event, uh, another UFC event that's kind of like this one, so we'll kind of see how it performs. A little under the radar, a couple better fights, but uh, I just hope it's a better weekend. I hope it's a great week to all of you all out there watching. It's going to start getting sunny in 70 No, I've seen. So I'm trying to get out onto the golf course this week more than a couple times. And uh, I'll probably still play like booty, but it's all part of the game, baby.
0: Well said, Don. Well said. Um, for my closing statement, I'm going to focus on Daniel Kinnahan real quick. And um, I didn't really do this during the show, but um, there's been this really crazy kind of story going on that i don't think enough of us are really in the know of i kind of found out through listening to some other podcasts but um daniel kenahan is essentially a guy that has really deep ties into the sport of boxing he also has some ties into the sport of mma but um he just got flagged by the u.s government as being identified as one of the biggest crime lords in the whole world Um, there's a $5 million bounty for information, uh, that could lead to his arrest. And during our broadcast for UFC Vegas 51 on the main card on ESPN, the network, Munir Lizette's coming off a great victory you know, I like Munir Lizette's fight style. He's fun to watch here against Amalosa. He looked great. He gets on the mic and gives a personal shout out to Daniel Kenahan and, talks and thanks him for all he's done for him and how great he's been to him. And afterwards at the post fight at his post fight, uh, presser, a, a reporter, I can't remember the end of it, the, the gentleman's name, but he pressed, um, Lizzez on this for about three, four five minutes. And I've seen a lot of chatter online about, you know, if the reporter was really in his, should have done that, or if he should have just let it go. And, uh, you guys, I just think that uh, if you're if you're kind of in that camp of people that feel like he was overstepping here, then maybe you just don't quite get what this this Kenahan guy is really, you know, what what what's really at stake here. Because let's look at selfishly as fans of the sport, you have a a accused, I mean, a guy who's being identified by our government as a the biggest crime one of the biggest crime lords in the world and he has a deep tie or at least he has his hands involved and in some of the fighters of our favorite sport. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've, we've 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 had some shady figures involved before. You know, you got a lot of the Russian fighters and Kadirov. you know, you you hear that a lot brought up a lot how um, you know, like Habib is kind of talking with some of these people that aren't maybe the best for the sport, obviously they're dictators or whatever, but here you, you have Lizez go on live TV on the network and give a personal shout out to this guy. And I just think that, uh, it's not a good look, not a good look at all because right now, both sports, MMA and boxing are trying to separate themselves from this guy, cut any ties from him that they can. And my fighter on the UFC's roster just gave him a shout-out on the network. It's not a good look. Um, There's probably more to come with this whole situation. But I just wanted to inform everybody because I feel like a lot of people have been kind of going after the reporter on this. And I'm like, I don't really get it. Because I feel like if you just do a little bit of research, you'll find that this guy that was given a personal shout-out and talked about how great he was is kind of a monster. So... Keep that in mind. I understand it's easy to kind of back on reporters and stuff. We've done our fair share of that, but I, I definitely think there was calls for concern with this on this night. There it is. All right. Well, that was a deep way to end the show, but that's going to wrap it up here. We will be back on Thursday with the preview. Two Bellator events this weekend and the UFC as well. Let's hope for a bounce back, but that's it. I'm out, I'm Noah B, that's Dominic Salive. We're the below average Joe's we'll see you on Thursday.